next on the tee in Season 2, Episode 9 of Grow the Grind. As always, it was a beautiful day in Pinehurst, and we were set up at the end of the range by hole 18 on number 2. With today's guests, the man that made it all happen, tournament director and the man behind the North and South, Matt Nunez. Also joining us, Pinehurst legend, former PGA pro, big-time teaching professional, master of the cradle, Kelly Mitchum. This was the first of a four-part series that we recorded at the North and South this year just before the U.S. Kids World Championship. Matt was kind enough to set it up, and we had a very memorable week over there. I think they're the perfect guests to start things off because we cover a lot of different topics throughout this episode. Course setup, Pinehurst 2's difficulty, their perspective on burnout. They also talked a lot about their golf process growing up, and both of them reached totally different levels in their playing career. So it was, it was a very insightful conversation with them. Yeah, for sure. There was also a lot of good energy with day one of stroke play wrapping up. Yeah, people were finishing kind of on the 18th there. We set up in a, in a prime spot, Allie. Like, we did have a really cool view. And we did. Throughout the whole podcast, you're going to hear ball striking. Like, a ton of the players had just finished their first round and were out on the range. And they're out there again. They're practicing again after their long round on number two. And they were getting ready for day two. And so throughout this, this four-part series that you're going to listen to, you're going to catch you know, a lot of different views. We just can't thank Matt and Kelly enough. Being in Pinehurst is an indescribable feeling. Spending hours on the thistledew, looping the cradle, sitting at the deuce and watching players come in on hole 18 on course number two. It's just happiness. The smiles. Everybody's so happy. You're right. You could be out there for six, seven hours and everybody just is filled with joy. It's like a playground, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a golfer's paradise. Golf. Yeah. It's a golfer's paradise. And our thanks and appreciation go out to everybody at the resort. Matt was such a gracious host. He allowed us to do so many different things with the, the players that are part of the North and South, hanging around and running an event with about 24 of the girls before the tournament kicked off. We spent a ton of time out there watching great golf. We definitely did, and we hope to cover more events at Pinehurst down the road. Enjoy Season 2, Episode 9 of Grow the Grind. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today is the opening day of stroke play here at Pinehurst for the North and South Women's Amateur. Both of you have had very busy days, so we appreciate you carving some time for us. Matt, you are running the show everywhere today. On the tee box of two, in the morning, and in the score tent all day. Kelly, we saw you doing your thing at the academy, and now we pulled you over to the side of the range. We can't wait to talk North and South and so much more. We are thrilled to have you. Thanks for coming on Grow the Grind. Thanks, boys. Thanks for joining us. Hey, yeah. looking forward to it. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us. Yeah, well, we are in a, uh, as I said, we're in an unbelievable location, aren't we? Correct. Tucked yeah. off on the side here. You guys got the view of the statues behind us. Mr. Ross is hanging out <clears throat> under the trees in the shade here, and we're, uh, we, got the, we got the stage set. The final groups, I believe, Matt, right now are finishing up on 18. Yeah, I think that's them on the green there. So that's got to feel good for you because you are the man behind no, the no, scenes no, no. and you you really are kind of heading to north and south here at Pinehurst and um, it's been a really good run for you so far you've already gotten through the men's yep. we've done the junior mm-hmm. um, so we're just we're at the women's stage of things and this is kind of this is our favorite right, I have three daughters this yeah. is my favorite I, lo- I love the girls are unbelievable players and we get seems like the field is just always as good as it could possibly be so thanks again for letting us be a part of it this year we're taking a lot away. We're having really great moments, right, Allie? We had a really yeah. cool event on the cradle the other day that we Matt did. allowed us to do. And um, so thanks. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. yeah no, you guys you. are killing it. You guys are all the talk. I doubt that. Come <laughs> on. That now. cradle thing was awesome. Yeah, maybe a few really? people liked it. We did have an ace. Wow. Yeah. Well, don't say that. How many Kelly's you, had a few. Kelly, how many you got? Don't I got 12 him. now. Gee, <laughs> 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 but I've played it a time or two. There. I've, 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 you also... Know. North South champ. Well, we know we're getting to it, yep. and we got a lot of time to sit down, so we got to save a few of our nuggets along the way. I mean, we did want to really start out with the history, right, Allie? Mm-hmm. I mean, Pinehurst is all about the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the North and South is the longest-standing amateur tournament in the United States, potentially world. L- um, 
No, I don't think the world longest consecutively run in the country though. So you know, 1901, uh, the U.S. AM I think started uh, 1895, I believe. But they stopped World War One and, and for World War Two. The North South uh, played through everything. So. Played through COVID too last year. Played through COVID, correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, COVID course, got course, most so. of those other events, but yeah, not here. Pioneers not here. Um, so give us some of your background on the North and South, Matt. I mean, this is relatively a, a newer head role for you. Is this your? Mm-hmm. Is this the first year you've really been at the top, or is this your second run? Yeah, well, so as tournament director, it's my first, yeah. And then I, I was working, you know, with, with the guy before me for, this is now my fifth or sixth North-South, I believe. So, so I've been around, but yeah, I guess as tournament director, my first, yeah. Not your first either, Kelly. You've seen a few come and go. You've played in a number of them over the years. How many do you think you got under your belt? Not wins, but attempts. So I've played probably the North-South, I would say, maybe three or four times um, through my college years. And then quickly after that, I turned professional. So wasn't wasn't eligible after that, but had some great experiences out here. And, you know, kind of being from from this area, pretty special to play in a... a uh, huge amateur event and have a lot of support from the community for sure yeah let's talk past champions on the girls side 12 out of the last 18 champions here from from the north and south have gone on to play in the lpga of those 12 i think they've got a combined like 30 lpga wins Mm -hmm. they've won 40 some million dollars eight major championships but on on the men's side you've got champions like uh curtis strange hale sutton jack won it Davis Love, our boy Francis we met, which, you know, the greatest game ever played is probably our our, our movie that's on loop in the back of the car all the time. But, of course, <laughs> Kelly Kelly Mitchum's name's on that list, Kelly too. Mitchum, so I, I mean, I just cool. can imagine people walking down the, you know, the hallway there and looking at that list of the name, and they get to my name, and they're like, who in the heck is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, because your name's, like, all over Pioneers. Yeah, yeah. So, what was what, how old were you? What what do you remember about playing in the North and South? You know, before you turned professional, and maybe you got some great memories of that. What can you share with us on that? Yeah, so you know, I love match play for one, and so you know, being able to get through the qualifying and and get seated and playing the match play, anybody has a chance. So I, I love that aspect of the tournament. I I remember probably probably the best memory is having my dad on the bag when I won um, in 1993. Um, you know to share that with him. I, I mean, you know, he wasn't a professional caddy by any means. He was a he was a bag toter, but you know it's pretty special when you have your dad, you know, right there with you. So now that was that was you know to come out here and to, and to win a tournament that's in your hometown uh, among, uh, you know, having a lot of people out there watching and being able to pull it out. Uh, I remember missing in the in the final round, at 30, the 36-hole final, I remember missing a really short putt on the 18th hole. Uh, to I was two up going into 18, and so going into our lunch break, having only a one-up lead, I mean, man, my food did not taste good during lunch. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, but was fortunate to be able to come out and 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 finish it off. Um, Has that putter boy trophy evolved over the years? As far as I know, it hasn't. Not that I know of. It no. looks the same. It looks the same, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's the best trophy I've seen. It is. We love it. Is it not? It is the best trophy. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> How did things go out there, Matt? Weather was good. And the greens on two were championship level good. Yeah, they were super fast today. Um, I know uh, Kyle, the assistant super on, on course two, I think he had him running about 12 and a half, um, which is uh, for a stroke play day is uh, pretty gnarly, I think, especially with his pins were today. Um, but the, you know, the course is in great shape right now and, and super happy how things have gone so far. What do you think about that setup? Uh, I think that's getting really close to U.S. Open uh-huh. speed greens, yep. which you know makes number two oh, exponentially harder. Um, the golf course, the greens are super difficult as it is, and when you put that kind of speed to them, the touch mm-hmm. that it takes and requires to you know keep away from the big numbers is yeah. There was a lot of pin location conversation. 
even walking by some of the girls, you know, Rachel was over there today talking about, you know, the pins and yeah, is that anything that you have a part in, Matt, when you start mm-hmm. talking about how this course is set up? And, you know, that's kind of on our list here, like greens and pins, greens and pins. How fast are we going to make these things? How miserable is it going to yeah, be? Yeah, well, you know, it's there's sort of two things that you can have direct control over, you know, that's outside the condition of the course, which the golf maintenance crew does a phenomenal job doing that, is really length and then pin locations. So, you know... we we didn't go super long. Um, I think we're probably 6,300, which, uh, you know, I know that some of the girls are hitting it so far these days that that's really, yeah, we really saw, we saw 320, we saw 320 out of yeah, one exactly. or two of the girls out yeah, there exactly. today. So, you know, so if you're going to play a course, especially like this, uh, we're really, everything is in the greens, you know, that's really what makes, gives this course its character. Kelly, wouldn't you say? So, you know, if we're going to go, 62 63 the pins are going to have to be tucked and the greens are you know going to be quick so kelly you know about those quick greens <laughs> i know about those quick greens how many times have you looped two looped two no oh gone around number two played, played number two i couldn't even tell you quite a <laughs> wow. few over the years 66 is the low so kelly kelly do you know that matt 66 is the low uh i've heard he said they were running 14 that day and every pin was tough and I play it from the tips, and that's not correct. Your, your listeners don't need to don't need to buy into that. You I mean, shot sixty six though, and you said seventy one feels like it would be like what sixty five maybe, and on another on course. Some days it really does out there, yeah. right? I mean, I told you earlier that number two, there's just not a ton of birdie holes. It's not like you can attack, you know, a bunch of holes out there. It's you know, even the shorter holes, you've got to be hit in the right place to play somewhat defensive in some of the pin locations otherwise you're looking at making a big number so um it's it's not a fire at the flag all day kind of a deal out there it never is no no i mean you look at hole three it's probably playing the toughest today for the girls and it's the short it's the shortest hole in the course part four anyways yeah 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 i believe it well let's stay on that setup stuff so you had mentioned maybe the men when they were here mm-hmm. we had we had an australian winner didn't we yeah louis dobler yeah Great guy, and you you really liked that Van Paris matchup. Oh, uh, awesome. It was really cool winning the extras, didn't it? Going to the nineteenth, the yeah, they finished over on the nineteenth. We had on, on one. I, I missed it. We were in a tournament that day, and I wish I had seen it because I saw some of the footage, and it it felt like it felt a little bit throwback, like where you know people are walking up behind the oh, players yeah. in the fairway. Hundreds, hundreds of people out there. It's so cool. And That's and so, cool. so, can you give us a breakdown on kind of how that all went and what that's like for you when you put all that work into it and all the times thought through it? You've designed these unbelievable flags now, and I saw you uh-huh. the day you were looking into that, and you see it all come together. And your team's here, you got your interns, and everything's just kind of smooth right now. And then you get that final day in the men's side, and we're on extras. Yeah, I mean to have a day like that, especially with those two guys, you know, like so. I think we were talking about it earlier. You know, you have Louie and Jackson, and, and they're both. You know, I mean, obviously very different, but, you know, Louie being Australian, young, you know, same kind of thing as Jackson, American, young, kind of same sort of popularity, you know, and to have it sort of finish like that, it's just, I mean, it, it's, it couldn't have gone better. I couldn't, couldn't have written the script any better. And, and of course, like you said, you know, my team is, is incredible and, and the volunteers we have and the rules officials we have and so much experience, um, and it's really, uh, really cool to see it all sort of, especially to end like that was, was, you know, I couldn't have wanted anything more. Did you toughen the course up for the ladies since then? Um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly, uh, I think so. So, if, you know, for the men, uh, I think we were a little bit, a little lenient on some of the pins, you know, scores got a little lower than, uh, than we maybe expected. Um, so not to say we took it out on the ladies, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, you made some different decisions this this time around, you know, one of the best fields, amateur fields in the world. So certainly it's a, we made it a little bit, uh, a little bit more difficult. We definitely had in the back of our mind that, uh, we wanted course two to play, to play hard. Yeah. All right. Let's move into a a little bit more of what you do, Kelly here. All right. Um, you play the cradle here. Oh, I love the cradle. But you have some really cool records over there. If you go over to the board, you believe it or not, I caddied for Alec Hilgers when he shot 21. Okay. Okay, so he's a junior. He, he tied the junior. What was that? Al, oh, when was that? Do you remember? Was that two years ago? I think that was... Was that last year already? I, 
Yeah, I think it was last year. I'm pretty sure it was last year. We went out. Allie was playing. Yeah, I was playing, and then um, I dad, planned on yeah. caddying Allie. Yeah, he was. Oh yeah, he was gonna caddy me, and then and I by caddy the I just mean hole. let's have fun together and talk about shots. Yeah, I bogeyed the first hole, and then Alec goes out. What does he do? I think he birdied. He birdied the, the first hole. hole. I said, "Wait a minute, Allie, you're, you're on your own today." Oh, and it was just fun. Yeah. You know, you're just. Goofy. I didn't even know this kid. He's from Arizona. He's a he, he, Warren Shute is a is a friend of ours. He's a South African born. Um, former PGA player, you know, he played mm-hmm. in the Masters. I don't know if you know Warren at all. I but do know Warren. Warren is War, Alec is in Warren's stable, okay, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. he's one of he's one was one of Warren's boys, and so we went out there and he just started making putts. I think he made like maybe seven birdies. He had eight putts because he had uh, the greatest bogey I'd ever seen to shoot. And he shot twenty one. <laughs> he made an unbelievable like eighteen footer coming up on nine to tie it, and we were all going crazy. So his name's on the board, yeah, but. Kelly's name is all over that board. You do this crate. Don't stop. I know you're humble, but it really is. It's really cool because you you have so many hole in ones, but you also do that thing where you go play a full day on the cradle, don't you? Yeah, yeah. We started a we started a charity event about three or four years ago where, on the shortest day of the year, the winter solstice, I get a group of guys, guys and gals actually, and we go and we raise money and we tee off at sunrise sometime around 7:20, which is usually pretty nippy at that time of the day in the middle of December, and we play till about 5:10 in the in the afternoon. So we we're out there for about 10 hours, and so. You know, it's a uh, it's it's a lot of fun and it's pretty pretty draining. But I had the record there for a little bit of the most holes played in one day. It was around a little over 400 holes, and a buddy of mine he was determined to beat that. So I don't hold that record anymore, unfortunately. But, did. Yeah, but did, I did, I did. It was it was tough to let that one go. But my legs just couldn't handle it anymore. Towards the end of the day, I was wearing down. Matt, you like that? You like that loop over there on the cradle? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fun. You got any aces? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. I do. I do. The first on hole one. I, I You know, you say aces, it's my only hole in one. So it's like it's on <laughs> well, the cradle. You, does that it count? count? Well, see, I, I don't think, know. Does yeah. it count? count? I, it doesn't count. I don't, I don't count them towards Come my on. total. No, I don't. Yeah, see, your total. I, I, I was scared to hear that from you, Kelly, because... Because I, I battle with that as well. It's like, do I have a hole in one? Yeah, Grace, hey, Grace. If it makes you feel better, I, so I'm lacking two holes out there. Uh, Which right? ones? One is one of them. So oh, you got okay, that, you got yeah, that yeah. going so, for yeah. you, Matt. Uh, and in the five. Other? One in five. Five should be an easy one, I tell you. Well, tell me about your ace. It's official for it was, us. Um, We're counting it. It was actually, it was the first week two years ago in Cradle Club. So we have a little thing that we do with the members. Um, it's just a running league. You know, we do it 10 weeks, and there's different games. And uh, we have a pro division as well. And uh, it was the very first week, first shot. And uh, the pin was kind of in the back, and it bounced uh, one time and just kind of hopped in. So, you, so the guy's got a swing on him. Matt's got a swing on him. He can play. He moves yeah. it out there. I played I play with Matt a few years ago in our staff tournament. He, yeah. It's like, you know... I'm like way back there, and he's like way up there. It's it's hmm, different game. Matt made. But then you know you get to the green, and, and his number is smaller than mine on the scorecards. So. <laughs> so, so Got to make up for it somehow. <laughs> You're a sports admin major. You went to University of North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, but didn't play golf there. Mm-hmm. You played some high school golf. Mm-hmm. You played a lot of junior golf. Yeah. We're gonna move this conversation a little bit away from the north and south as much as we love it. We really want to dig into what we talk a lot about, and Ali likes to talk about this too. The cool. grind, right? The grind can do one of two things. It can make you great or it can burn you out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the majority of the time when we sit here and we talk to players, I mean, everybody's still on their grind. We look to our right right now, and I think we could probably count about 10, 10 women over there working wedges, hitting drivers. They just finished their run. They practice in the morning. They're out. That's the grind, right? They're not totally. happy with something. They're trying to fix yeah. something. They've spent time. There, there's. A, I think that a couple girls are in in the car napping right now. So they took their shoes off. They're going to come back and putt, right? Didn't you yeah. just say so? Yeah. So, Matt, your experience in junior golf maybe is a little bit different, but you found yourself now in a position where you're all golf again. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. So you have a passion for it and love you it. love the game. Correct. But maybe it wasn't for you to the extent that it needed to be to play at that next level. So can you mm-hmm. like maybe just shed some light on what that was like growing up playing the game and uh, what you found yourself into now. Yeah, so, you know, I, I grew up playing most sports. You know, I did the whole lacrosse, baseball, basketball, football. 
on golf and and i i really gravitated towards golf when i was younger you know my dad was a big golfer and and really the whole family um and then you know you just get through you know you just kind of as you grow and, and you start playing other sports and you get to high school and stuff um you know naturally you you and this is my experience is that you want to really focus on being around the people you you know your friends right so so like we were sort of talking about it my friends weren't really golfers i had a few golf friends so i, I grew up with a twin brother and, and he uh you know he kind of stopped playing golf and so it just gets to a point where if you don't have especially if you're a young kid in the summertime and you know you want to go out and you want to go to the pool and you want to go do this and do that um and your friends don't necessarily share your interests which you know at the time was golf you, you know you sort of it sort of starts to to sour for you a little were bit. you putting a ton of hours in when you were playing i mean you were playing yeah, a lot yeah, of junior yeah. events mm -hmm. i played a lot of junior stuff yeah a lot and you a could lot. you could like you said kelly he can move it so i mean you felt like you might have been trending towards playing at the college, mm -hmm. collegiate level yeah yeah, yeah. Parents, I mean, you, were I mean, your parents you, all in on it for you mm -hmm. was it a difficult thing when you made that decision for them i think it was yeah so break that down because i think a lot of people are fearful of that you know they really want it for their kids i want it for Allie. like ah, gracie's sitting right next to us right now gracie's hanging out here but gracie's not a golfer she's my cradle partner and she's going to be my golf partner for the rest of time because she's not a crazy competitor who goes crazy when they make bogey so i like playing with grace um, but my other two are really really into it. i want it for them so i don't know how i would be able to handle that if they said look i just you know it's not for me yeah and i'm, tr I'm trying to you know read back into the memory bank on on all that i mean my dad would you say you burned out mm -hmm. yeah 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 not so much not so much physically you know it wasn't about you know because i spent a lot of time at the club you know in summers and stuff but it really mentally is is where it is it's like oh, i gotta get up you know i got a tournament you know my friends are are going out doing this or whatever and you know i'm, I'm at home because i got to get up and practice and go to the course and, and then prep for a tournament and stuff like that and uh but as far as you know my parents went my mom wasn't she just did whatever she wasn't into that kind of stuff my dad was a big golfer my mom both very very supportive of everything um but like you said you know when i sort of stopped or when i started talking about maybe not wanting to play golf i think it was difficult for him because that was his thing um but at the end of the day, I mean, he he was been super supportive. But there were definitely some some moments there where it was it was sort of tough. You never burned out, Kelly. So not not till much later, and I don't know if burnout is the right word for me. Um, I I started golf when I was twelve, which was probably a good thing. I mean, you know, you see some of these kids that are starting when they're three, and you know. <laughs> They've already they've already played a ton of golf by the time they get to the junior you know to the to the high school level. I love the game. I you know, right the very first day I picked up a golf club, I fell in love with it. We were my mom and dad had moved to New Zealand for a couple of years, and um, that's where I started playing golf. And I mean, you couldn't. I mean, I had a hard time not you know as soon as I was finished with school, I was at the golf course. And I uh, got when we moved back to the states. We moved to this area when I was 16, and you know by then I was really into it, starting to play in tournaments. And you didn't have to tell me to go to the golf course to work on my game. I just just loved being there. It was probably so I turned up. I played golf at NC State, you know. So um, UNC did three-time All-American at NC State. UNC did not recruit me, so I use that <laughs> as pure motivation to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was a Carolina fan growing up, oh, and they man, didn't recruit me. Uh, not that not that I've harbored any bad feelings or bitterness about that over the you years. Just talk about it any uh, chance you get. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I went to NC State, which is a was ended up being a perfect fit for me. Um, yeah, I had a, had a good career there, and ended up ended up uh, you know like a lot of players coming out of college wanting to play full time for a, for a living, and so I turned professional, played the mini tours. Played the it was the Nike Tour then the Corn Ferry Tour now played out there for a year played the um, Canadian Tour for a couple years and I think for me I got to the point where the grind started becoming all right ooh can I truly compete at the highest level I mean you know if you're going to play professionally you know the goal is to play on the PGA Tour 
And I reached the point where I, I had the realization that I wasn't long enough to truly be able to compete. Mm-hmm. If I'm hitting a five iron into greens that, you know, other guys are hitting nine irons in, the numbers just don't add up nowadays. And there was no way, I found no way to make that up in my short game. Mm. So the grind for me and the, the burnout for me was the realization that, gosh, I am not going to be able to make a living out of this. Not not comfortably. Mm. And so that last year was in 1997. I was on the Canadian tour. I remember looking over at my wife and saying, I think I'm, I think I'm done. And so I played one more tournament up there and, you know, came back to this area and, you know, then trying to figure out what I'm going to do from there. And the golf business was not where I expected to be, honestly. And, but it, when I, when I, you know, got down to it is what I was good at. It was, I enjoyed being outside. So I made the transition from playing full time to, to here. And so, yeah, yeah. I think, I think for me it was, it was, you know, that realization of, oh my gosh, I, I just don't know if I can compete out here they make it comfortably yeah i don't think that's you're right that's not burnout at all because i think you probably still hit a ton of balls right and you love to you love to play any chance you get and it's just it's just who you are right it's become even though you spent how many hours i would love to know and matt you might have a guess on this how many hours do you think kelly spends on uh, out here a week working oh, well, on I mean, on the he, game with others yeah i mean he's always teaching he has a whole stable of top players yeah, but hitting balls, I don't do a ton of anymore. I mean, you know, it's it's mostly coaching now for me. I mean, I slide, I slide out and play probably in a normal year, probably seven to ten tournaments a year now. Um, so you know, it's a it's a you know, I'll stay loose between lessons or between classes here and there, but um, it's mostly transitioned into to working with other players now. You won the didn't you win the North Carolina Open? Uh, recently, oh, a year ago. It was a year ago. Yeah, there you go. So uh, for the sixth time, go ahead, Al. <laughs> no, that was for the first time. Oh, really? Oh, that was. Oh man, that was. Gosh, you know, I, I, yeah, that was that was a big deal winning the North Carolina for me because I've been trying for so many years and finally was able to pull through. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's good. Kelly, what are some drills that worked or work for you, even with your players, your that you coach? Yeah, so as far as drills, you know, it depends on the player and it depends on what they've got going on. I mean, there's, you know, some certainly some things that if they're working on some technique that I'll tend to do. But really what I love to do is get to play, get players to play games and, uh, you know, have challenges and things like that where, you know, it's not only just working on your technique, but you're also spending a good bit of your time what we call transfer practice, meaning not just going and hitting a basket of golf balls like, you know, it's easy to do. Students find it easier to just hit one right after another, but it's finding ways to go out to, you know, simulate what the golf course is like. And you can do that. You can find, if you can find a decent practice green, you can go and take one ball and chip it up there and put it in and go find another spot and, you know, create a scoring system or whatever. So I like to try to get students to do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoy that when I find it like a way to get that. I feel like it often helps me, like feel like I'm playing a tournament and have that focus. Yeah, I think that's great because you feel, I mean, you know, just hitting balls that, you know, you just don't feel like. We get students all the time that they'll be on the range and they'll be hitting one right after another and they'll get into a rhythm and they'll be like, all right, I'm ready to go to the golf course. And they get to the golf course and they're like, hit a bad shot and like, what happened? Well, they really didn't train for the golf course. And so I think that's a big part that a lot of students miss is, plus, like you said, it's a whole lot more fun to practice that way and try to put pressure on yourself. You know, that's a great way to practice. When you practice, Allie, do you ever go out there and you're like hitting a chip or a putt? You're like, this is to win the U.S. Yeah, I have. Come on. Yeah, Yeah, I do. Oh, we all have. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a difference maker, and I know that the mindset stuff is super important for kids to try to keep them motivated and engaged. So the game aspect does that, right? Um, 
But from a mindset perspective, you have to do some mental coaching as well. And there's so much of it. You started talking about technique uh, and the technical part of the game. Are there certain things that you do with your players that's really consistent that you find works for most people? Uh, A lot of parents like to listen to us talk about this and try to give like little insight or little tiny tips along the way that 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 are things that you've learned that that transfer well to kids as they're learning or even if they've already learned and they're at alley's level or you know at a highly competitive level um is are there different approaches that you take with these these kids that are kind of at those variant levels well i mean first of all you just got to realize everybody's different you know and so it's not a one size fits all i mean one kid's motivated different from another kid and so we try to find different ways to motivate them, um, you know, especially trying to keep it fun and engaging and not like it's, you know, being forced on them. Um, I think, you know, when you talk about burnout, I think that's where I think that's where some people and some parents go wrong. They want it so bad for their kids that, you know, they're on top of them so much that they don't give their kids space to be able to grow. So, no, I don't I don't think there's any one one way for everybody it's just you know i've got some that are prolific practicers and then others man if they practice as much as my other player they would just go crazy so everybody has to find their different you know uh different way of you know getting the most out of their game you know you got you know you got some i got some of my players that gosh they 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 do just fine playing three or four weeks in a row then others man after four weeks they are just totally wiped out men and mostly mentally you know because there's just a lot of a lot of effort you know and you know lots of shots where there's pressure and so forth and so um, every student has to find their right balance mm-hmm. you know <laughs> the difference between a john daly and a vj singh is like miles apart mm-hmm. but they both figured out a way to, to do it <laughs> at a high high yeah level. yeah exactly. do you have any perspective on that matt i mean i know that you're not teaching um, but you're so entrenched in the golf community out here at Pinehurst. You yeah. see a lot. I'm sure you see a lot. You see a lot. You have a lot of interactions with parents, you know, as you just start developing the field here for the mm-hmm. north and south. Mm-hmm. And you've got some people that are really high energy. I, I mean, we saw it out here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's so many different kinds of people like Kelly was saying, and, and it's really important, you know, to have a balance. Um, I, I do a, a little bit of, of teaching, you know, mostly members um, you know, here and there who want to listen. Um, but yeah, as far as the balance goes, I mean, that, that's really the most important thing. Cause like I said, I mean, everyone's different. Everyone has their breaking points for, for this, for that. Um, you know, like I, I can remember a couple years ago I was, I was helping shuttle uh, during the U S kids. And, uh, it's this little girl. I think she was, um, I think she was in like the eight under, you know, she must've been like six and she had her coach sitting in the back talking with a dad, you know, debating on whether to, to cut off a quarter inch on a driver, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, yeah. Oh my God, what are you, what are you doing? I mean, just, well, there's yeah, all kinds of crazy and that's kind of, I don't, we don't want it, but there, the, we got to learn from the crazy because we're all in our own way as a parent, we yeah. get blinded by some of our hopes and desires mm-hmm. and we, we don't want to live through our kids, but we want it so badly for our kids Yeah, that and the quarter of an inch becomes like this long conversation and and really you're like you're saying Matt, what's that going to do for you yeah yeah i mean it's it's um you know like when you're when you're super young and and i just just because i've been around junior golf a lot you know you see you know you see the kids when they're super young a lot of the the motivation comes from wanting to like please their parents you know and then but at some point it has to come from them and you know you and this is like I was saying, my experience. You know, once you sort of get away from from wanting to to show your parents who want you to do this that, that you're doing well and all this stuff, it has to come from their peers. You know, so you know, for for example, I did my my best friends were not golfers. You know, so I sort of like sputtered out that way. Mm, and right. you see a lot of the people, a lot of these girls, especially you know, you look out here, it's like they're all friends. They are. So they, they've made friends from the junior ranks. They're in college now. They may be in the same, you know, conference. And they just continue to just hang out and just practice together. And, they, and that's what, you know, 
it's it's really cool to see that and and that's the ones who really can you it. speak to that at all because i feel like you you might be able to as far as what matt's describing there from pleasing parents to taking maybe some initiative and ownership yeah i mean there have been times where i've wanted to please my parents and and do that but then it's i feel like recently i've been trying to take it to that level where it's me and i'm doing it mm-hmm. and i have so i i'm just keeping trying to work on that and that's like the big part of loving golf i think if you want to do it then you you probably love golf totally and and you know how old are you 12 you're 12 i mean yeah you're so young i mean she's still in it yeah this is new for for, i think i i think there were times where i did pull her too hard to get out there and practice and i think that's happening to lucy right now you know she doesn't have that same dude she's seven but come on she can go to the pool right she can go down (laughs) a couple extra slides tomorrow or go to piner's beach whatever it is but for Allie right now kelly maybe you can help coach her through this as much work as she decided to put it on her own, she's found a little bit of a slump. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, I have. And and so like as hard as she's worked, she deserves better. I'm just saying from an outsider now watching that she deserves better. And right now she she's not where she wants to be. That's mm-hmm. that's on her though. Um, and I'm I'm witnessing it. I cannot help her right now. I don't know. I mean, I have no coaching there. So is there anything you could counsel? Maybe a little counseling session right now for her. I'll give you one word. Be patient. Oh, that's two words. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll give you two words. You got to be patient. I mean, you know, all you can do is, um, you know, go about it the best way you can. Keep it fun, no matter what you do. Keep it fun. And you've just got to be able to go through those times when you know it's not. I mean, you're 12 years old, so I can guarantee you, you are going through a growth spurt right now. And things change. And. Um, you know, you, you, you keep, keep after it. Is it, is it mostly with your full swing or is it your whole game? It's, it's my full swing. I've been losing yardage and I've just been trying to get, once I get up to the green, you just got to make those pots and get those chips close. Yeah. She's got a lot of pressure on her short game right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so keep the short game sharp because that can keep the scores reasonable. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's probably something going on. So, you know, good coaching is, is a big part of that. Um, I think you can be overcoached, but I mean, if there's something that's like, um, if there's something like technically that is gotten off, if you're getting shorter, I mean, it shouldn't really happen. Um, so there's something technically that's gotten just a little bit off. You're not getting everything out of it. So you just got to keep working and trying to figure out yeah. what that is. And you just never know. Like I said, be patient because, you know, you'll, it'll get figured out. It'll, you know, I tell students this all the time, you know, we go through these spells, even, I mean, everybody does where... You go through these like, oh my gosh, I've lost it. I'm never going to get it back, <laughs> you know. And and if you work at it the right way and you keep keep after it, it always comes back. Yeah. And I tell you, the opposite's true too. It's like sometimes we go through these spells where we're like, oh, I've got it. I've got the secret. I'm never going to hit another bad shot in my life. Oh, man, that's such a that's such a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me, Kelly. Like and, I, and I'm just thinking about you know the things I hear and stuff in my own swing. When I've when I've pinpointed what I think to be the problem in my swing, I can never fix it by focusing on on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's I like, actually totally know what you mean. So so yes. I try to like I, you know it's like trying to pinpoint it. I'm like I know this is the problem. Yeah, Allie so, over so the top me, with her me, hands. So she's trying exactly. to fix so her she hands. She deals it with her hands. And I feel like it all is always comes from doing something else. It'll work itself out from, and maybe I don't even realize it happens, but it's like, okay, well, it's because my hips weren't rotating enough. And, you know, and then that, then the hands go, and I'm like, oh, that's how, that's how you fix it. Uh, I mean, for me, that's the fun of the coaching aspect and the helping people, you know, make change. Because it's not, it's not, I mean, you can have the same exact flaw you know from one student to the next but the fix and the way you communicate and the way that student gets it you know figured out can be totally different and so you know you know we we can also we see what's going on sometimes and we can understand what's going on but finding that right feeling or right thought or right drill i can vary from player to player and you know sometimes it clicks quick and then other times you know it takes a experiment with this a little bit of that and then finally oh this is the best feeling for me 
Mm-hmm. Can I talk to your question, Matt? Yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's so appropriate for right now. This child right here next to me, okay, in the last, I would say probably three days, has been counseled by probably seven different people, all really good people. Right, Al? Yeah. Mr. Sacramento, right? Uh, Mrs. Keene, Ivy Shepherd, Mr. Shepherd. Uh, they've all kind of looked at you and said something to her. And they all see the same problem. How many different pieces of focal points did you get out of all of those? There's a lot. It's just a lot to handle and take in and be like, okay, I need to fix this, but I can't. I'm trying and I just can't. Grip, right foot, too far back. Uh, Ivy said your your back hip should be your focal point. Yeah, my shoulder turn. Angle of shoulder turn. There was like, you know, every, yeah. Now I'm like, okay, I'll try that. Hey, I'll try this. Hey, try this. Hey, try this. And then at some point, it's like, you know what? Just swing it. Whatever you hit, wherever you hit it, we'll go work with it. That's what it feels like, you know? So, too much, too much, too much. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you know, you get, you gotta, you gotta narrow it down. You gotta focus on hopefully the right thing, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be uh, something you can handle. I mean, too many thoughts, too many cooks in the kitchen. You got to be cautious with. You know what? I loved every piece of advice she got, though. I thought it was so great, and I think it's she can handle that, though. Can you? Do you yeah. love that? That people care and they're genuinely yeah. invested in you. It's and- pretty cool, but like knowing that they're like actually thinking about this and trying to help is cool. But then when you have a lot of people doing it, and information can get. But mm-hmm. I, I love it. I can take it. It's. I really don't mind. <laughs> so let's talk about gains. Okay, because everybody wants to make those gains, and you were just were speaking to that. Um, when have you seen that happen for yourself and you too, Matt? Because you make gains. I mean, I think I think at one point you were really a, a high level player. When when did you or when can you see those gains happening for individuals? Uh, what types of things happen? Is it just time? Is it patience? Or are there some things that that you can do along the way that might speed that up? Yeah. So I mean, for me, I. I you know, early in the game, kind of the beginning stage for the first few years, you know, you have, you know, I swear you see, I tell people all this all the time. That's when almost one of my favorite times in my whole career of playing golf was those first few years when I was not, you know, not great. And, but, you know, you could see improvement happen quickly and your scores would, you know, go i remember shooting kind of like the 108 one of my first times out and then all of a sudden you know i'm down in the 90s then you plateau for a while you know and you kind of work through some things you get better and all of a sudden boom you know take four or five or six shots off your score and the lower you get and the the lower your handicap gets the harder those shots become come to come off and so you know we, we go in spurts for me go in sports and I think that happens with a lot depending upon where you are you know some of the abilities and and things that you have um and then it's just working on the right things I mean you can you you know going out and beating a bunch of golf balls is not a guarantee you're going to get better Mm. um you've got to be working on the right things the right manner and the right way to get the most out of it Um, otherwise you're just ingraining bad habits they're gonna be hard to get out of longer down the line yeah, I, I remember when I when I was playing junior golf and I was probably at my best. Um, it you know, it it felt like at the time that I wasn't I wasn't really hitting the ball all that great. You know, like for me, it's, it's so I I I was like, yeah, my drive is kind of off or my irons are kind of off, but I was scoring the best that I ever had been. And it was just sort of that like, you know, I, I always just felt comfortable that no matter where my drive went, I'd be able to to get it in for par or whatever it was almost like this feeling of not really caring so much about it you know and then then my scores really you know they got better and then sort of from there I just learned how to score and then it didn't really I didn't really care where necessarily my you know my Mm. technical wherever my swing was my drive went or my iron went I just said yeah I'll get it I'll get it up and down I I mean, I really think think that speaks to the mental side of the game. I mean, expectations really have the the opportunity to get in the way a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when, you know, a lot of times in my career, I I can tell you, I go go and I have a poor warm-up session on the range, so the expectations go down, and all of a sudden, you know, I have a good round. 
Now, certain days, you know, you're like, man, I am hitting it so good today on the range. Those are not a guarantee to have my best round. No. And I think, I mean, I think it's the mental side. I think, you know, we can get let expectations get in the way instead of just going out there and, hey, one shot at a time. How do you play without expectations? Yeah, you ultimately have to try to take one shot at a time. I mean, I tell my players all the time, hey, the shot that you got in front of you, go up, come up with a good game plan, commit to the shot you're going to try to play, and do the best you can of executing it and add them up at the end. It's all way easier said than done, but that's really what it comes down to. The only shot you can control is whatever you've got in front of you and you do the best you can with it. You know, I can live with I can live with when I hit a shot that I've totally committed to and I've done the best I can, I can live with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I should play it this way, standing over it or a, a negative thought comes in and I don't back off. Mm, I don't like that, and I try yeah. to get my students to, you know, have that same men- mentality. Yeah, that's that's so hard to do, you know. I mean, you look at, I mean, you look at guys like Phillips, you know, the men's. It's like the dude bogeyed his first three holes. It's like where do you go from there? Right. You know, that's he, what I, I asked that question imagine, for, man. I can't imagine his head. What's he thinking? You know, his head you know how just, many people oh. work all year round to play one event? Exactly. To be here for one event, and and then that happens. Yeah. And so, then, see, some people would just be toast. I mean, you just you, you wouldn't even be able to think after that, you know, because you you already be thinking, I'm not going to make the cut, or you know, if, even if I bogey in the next three holes. That's what I look even. at some of the numbers from the girls from today. Mm-hmm. I see I see some of those names that that you expect to be yeah. kind of hanging around on the last day, who are going to have to they're going to have to fight tomorrow. There's going to be a fight out there. Totally. And yeah. I think that's the case in just about every tournament that you, you find yourself in. And I'm sure you were in plenty of fights, Kelly, thinking about making cuts mm-hmm. and then feeling like, man, my game is right where I want it to be. I've done everything that I needed to do to get to this point. And then you don't lay an egg, but it just doesn't go the way that you want it to go. And so as a player, you have to deal with it. But the problem is all these players are also dealing with their parents who are now let down who have put all this time and energy and money into it. And so how do you go into a U.S. Kids World Championship without expectations when you know where your kids should perform? You know, and so that's a, a, I think this is, the, this is something that we have to speak to. Uh, it, it's tough being a kid nowadays. Um, I mean, with, uh, with uh, being recruited earlier, out, you know, into colleges and the pressure with the tournaments and, I can't tell you how many how many students I've got. That, you know, the parents show up to watch them play, and you know they don't play as well because they want. You know, they're so concerned about playing well for their parents, and it's a tough place to play from. Tough place to play from. And how do you train kids to have the right mentality where they go out there and they are playing for the love of it, and they're you know focused on you know trying to block out those external things and go out there and just do the best you can. Because ultimately, that's 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 all you can do. Yeah, I, I remember when I was uh, interning with the Carolinas Golf Association. So you know Doc Redman, mm-hmm. obviously you know won the USAM and, and uh, you know he's a good tour player. He was you know he he was the kind of kid who was like he was a, a real big jokester. You know, always just laughing, joking around, and, and he you know he never really like in the junior ranks. He was always there. You know doing okay but he wasn't winning the the this and the that and i mean he was really always just laughing did it's almost like like why why are you even here he's just joking around like i mean really and his dad super guy and it's just yeah you know sometimes i wish doc would take it a little more seriously or something other you know you just kind of like yeah okay well he's just doing what what he wants to do and uh i mean he's one example of that it's just and then it's like boom he goes to clemson boom wins the usam boom tour just like and uh you know he he was like that example of just you know he just didn't take it too seriously and you know obviously it works every single player every if you look there was a uh, u.s kids just did this thing ask a tour pro a question for the lpga and they posted it was cool and uh, they all said you know what just have fun just have fun it's just golf. It's just golf. It's just golf. Don't work too hard. And I'm thinking, how can they offer that advice to kids who are looking up to them, right? Who who know that they've worked really, really hard their entire course, life yeah. to get to where they are. Let's not. You can't get to that level without working and growing the grind and doing the things we talk about. So, like, 
everything you're saying makes perfect sense, Matt. And I think, Kelly, you're saying that too. How do you do both? How do you keep it light? Have fun. Not It doesn't matter. But also in the background, work so hard for something and then allow yourself just to be let down. Golf's miserable sometimes. I mean, it's even, Allie, right? Yeah, sometimes it can be very miserable, but other times it can be It's fun. the greatest. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe we're, maybe we're just beating a dead horse on this, but I just, it's, it's something that I always feel like needs to be really explored in these kind of, when I get people like you guys, cause you clearly are, are really great guests. So I want to make sure that we cover it in case anybody's really into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, when I look back on my career and I mean, you know, the, the successes are great, but when I look back, it was the work you put in that you really appreciate some of it pays off some of it doesn't and i gotta tell you that's no much not much different than life is uh you know sometimes you're gonna put some things into like work super hard to get to a certain place and doesn't always pan out and so i think there's some great lessons there no matter what you end up doing um there are no guarantees no guarantees no matter how hard your kid works or how hard a tour player works you know if it was all about if that was the only thing if it's all about just working then anybody can make it. So there's a lot of intangibles that are hard to put your fingers on. I mean, some of the some of the players that made it that I played and competed against in college, I mean, you never would have guessed they would have made it mm-hmm. or been tour winners. Mm-hmm. It's almost unpredictable. I mean, there are a few kids that, you know, I, mean, I played with David Duvall in college and Phil Mickelson, and you knew that they probably were going to make it. But there are a lot of kids that you're like, Oh my goodness, what a career that kid has had. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. How many, oh my goodness, I can't believe they didn't make it were there for you. I think there were a handful. I mean, you go to you go to a range, and I remember in college, I mean, my ball striking was, was okay, but it was, I mean, I walked almost intimidating watching some of these kids strike a ball. And you're like, how in the world can I beat this person? And you get out on the golf course, and you're like, ah, oh, I see how I can beat this person. So... Yeah, the beauty about golf is there's so many facets to it, and there's so many different ways of getting that golf ball in the hole. And um, it's not it's not all about being a great ball striker. It's not all about you know it's it's about managing your game. It's the mental side. It's you know knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are, and you know working your way around those sometimes, and making those weaknesses a little bit stronger. I mean, there's a lot of different ways of getting it done. I think that's the beautiful thing about it, and. Um, you know, you just got to find those and try to make the most of it as a player. How lucky are you guys to be here? Is there a better spot? I don't, there is. I haven't found it yet. Well, this is the only place I've been, so they haven't kicked me out yet. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're running a great event, Matt. I mean, Thank the you. field, how difficult is it to get into the north and south each year? Uh, What's that process like? I'd say it's very difficult. Um I mean, it varies year to year, but uh, for the most part, you know, we have a, uh, a, a list of exemptions um, that the players will fall, on to, uh, fall under, um, mostly world rank, and then, um, and then past performance in the, in the North-South. Well, we're looking forward to seeing how it wraps up, aren't we all? Yeah, we are. Matt and Kelly, you two were so entertaining and really did give us two different viewpoints the leader of the North and South, and master of cradle. But importantly, two top-notch guests. Thank you again, Matt, for setting all this up for us. We won't forget this anytime soon. And always remember, golf is great, the grind makes it greater. That's right, thanks guys. Awesome. Appreciate you having us. Thank you guys. Thank you both, really, it's been fun.